Now today I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began recently entitled Authentic. Now if we're all really honest, we want something that is authentic. Part of the reason why we go to a pharmacy to get medication is we want to make sure that it is authentic. We go to the bank to get money because we want it to be authentic. I've never met anyone who says, hey, I'll have some money for you. Let's exchange it here on the street. That's not how it works. We yearn for something authentic. But often in life, we encounter things that are inauthentic. Recently, uh, my wife and I, we were in New York. We went away for a couple days for vacation, and we had a great time. And if you've ever been to New York, you know there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of restaurants to visit. There's a lot of places to go. We went to the 9-11 Memorial. We went to Rockefeller Center. We saw the Statue of Liberty. We had a great time. But all during that process in New York, one of the things that people do in New York is they walk, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk. And we were walking and walking and walking. And as we were walking, we went through one particular part of New York that is known for their street vendors. Now, these street vendors will sell you anything that people will buy. They'll sell you bracelets and earrings and keychains. And they'll even sell you purses and wallets. And if you look at these leather goods, you'll notice that some of the most famous insignias are on those leather goods. Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Fendi, Coach. But they're offering them at a deep discount. I would dare say that they're probably not real. I would not encourage you to buy a Fuji purse unless you really want it. In life, often what we want is we want something authentic, but we want it at a discount. Authentic is never on sale. It's never at a discount. You're always going to pay a price for something that is authentic. Living a faith life, it requires us to pay a price. Living authentic, listen closely, living authentic will cost you something, but not living authentic may cost you everything. It may cost you your marriage. It may cost you your family. It may cost you your house. It may cost you your career. It may cost you your future. It may cost you your ministry. It will definitely cost you your integrity and your character. We can't have it both ways. We can't have an authentic life and have it be at a discount. We must choose to choose an authentic life. So how do we have an authentic life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Today I want to speak on the topic, walk it like I talk it. Now I know that this is a statement in the culture used by ungodly people to invite us to step into a worldly, sinful culture. But I want to reappropriate it Because I believe that Jesus would say to us, don't walk like the culture, walk like me. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I walk it. There are people in our life who are looking at our witness and they want to see whether our words and our life match up. Jesus is saying, don't walk like the world, walk like me. Walk it like I talk it. 
So with that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look at a couple verses, and I want to invite you to open up your Bible, open up your Bible app, open up the Westover app. We have notes there for you to follow along. And if you look at Matthew chapter 3, what you'll notice immediately is that most of the verses are in red. Now, if you know, if you have a red letter Bible, you know that the red words are the words of Jesus. So today we're going to we're going to look at the words of Jesus. Let's look together, starting with verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 and following. Then Jesus said to the disciples and to, said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Now let's jump to verse 11. But... Verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want to invite you to pray with me today. Lord, we come to you. You're inviting us to be authentic. You're inviting us to walk the faith life just like you walked it out when you were here on earth I pray, Lord, that you would stir in the hearts of people. You would stir within them a thirst and a desire to live authentically, to live the authentic faith life that you have ordained for them. I pray, Lord, that even now you'd begin to prepare their hearts for what you want to accomplish at the end of our service today. We entrust this to you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Amen. So today I want to share with you three steps that we can take to live authentic like Jesus. Number one, preach less and practice more. Preach less and practice more. Verse one and following says this, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Now I wanna pause here just briefly and I want you to pay very close attention to who Jesus is hanging out with. He's hanging out with the crowds and his disciples. He is not hanging out with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And here's the reason why. Verse 2 says this. The teachers of the laws and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. Let me pause here and tell you a little bit about what the Moses' seat actually is. The Moses' seat was a place of prominence in every synagogue where the teachers of the law, they would sit on the Moses seat, they would unroll the Torah, they would unroll the Pentateuch, their Bible, if you will, and they would teach the people from the Torah. And so what Jesus is saying to them is that when you're in the synagogue and you hear the teachers of the law reading something from God's word, you need to pay attention and you need to do what they say. But he goes on to say, don't do and live as they do because what they do is they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. For you see, at this point in time, in the nation of Israel, the religious leaders had made 613 laws that people had to follow. 
Now, because that they were the teachers of the law, they had all the time in the world to live out these laws, but everyday regular people weren't able to fulfill these laws. And every time someone would break the religious law that they had ordained, they would look down on them and they would judge them. Jesus is saying, don't do as they do. What he's telling them is that faith, while it should be hefty, it should not be cumbersome. It should be weighty, but it should not be cumbersome. How can I describe this? How many of you have ever held a newborn baby? Now, if you've ever held a newborn baby, you know that a newborn baby doesn't weigh a lot, right? But there is a responsibility, there's a hefty weightiness to caring for a baby. You don't want to drop it, you want to care for it. Faith works the very same way. It is not intended to be heavy, it is supposed to be weighty, it is supposed to make an impact. And this is what Jesus was saying, he says, don't pay attention to their religious laws. In fact, in a later passage, what he ends up saying to them is he says, I want to distill the law and the prophets to you. He says, all you have to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. He's saying... While it is, it is weighty, it's not supposed to be heavy. You know, sometimes as religious people, we make faith really difficult for other people. God doesn't want us to be legalistic and religious. He wants us to be people of faith, of true deep faith. But that means that we need to preach less and practice more. If we bear the name of Jesus, we need to live the way Jesus lived. We need to be people of compassion. We need to be people who are willing to connect with those who are different than us. We must be willing to make it really practical. When we come into this auditorium, we must be willing to put our stuff down, get up out of our seat, and greet other people. There are people walking in this building who are just waiting for someone to say hello. And I want to challenge you, if you bear the name of Jesus, don't preach about compassion. Don't preach about connection. Actually live it out. Actually step out of your comfort zone and you'll discover that God will move in a miraculous way. What we have to do is make sure that our works and our words align. Because our works always speak louder than our words. Let me put it to you this way. Our life preaches louder than our lips. What is your life preaching today? It's a challenge for all of us. What is our life preaching today? I want to say this to you and also to myself. Either practice what you preach or don't preach at all. We either practice what we preach or we shouldn't even be preaching at all. Don't talk. Actually put in the work. Some of us, we, have, we talk a really big game, but we live a real small life. And we need to stop talking and actually put in the work. You know, some of us, we're so afraid of not making an impact that we talk really big. But what we fail to realize is that if we're willing to put in the work, people will eventually see what we're doing. People are watching you. They're wanting to see if your faith is real. They're wanting to see if your faith actually produces fruitfulness, if it actually produces joy and peace and compassion and kindness and self-control. 
people are watching. They may not talk to you about it, but they're watching. They want to see if your faith is authentic. To illustrate this, I have a photo for you. This is a photo of some of the most famous brands, some of the most famous companies. This is called the garage phenomenon. These companies were willing to start in a garage and get up off the ground. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go home and you tell your wife, I'm going to clear out everything and make my garage into a workspace, okay? Talk it through, okay? Just don't do that. But what the garage phenomenon tells us is that these companies were not waiting till everything was perfect. They actually went ahead and they did the work. They were willing to step into a garage and make it happen. Many of us, we fall prey to the paralysis of perfection. We say to ourselves, I have to have the iPhone 11 Pro before I'll start my video log. I have to finish my degree before I'll volunteer with kids. I have to make $5 more before I tithe. God wants us to step into that and preach less and practice more. I've discovered in my own life, and I've seen this in the lives of other people, the dream doesn't work until you do. The dream doesn't work until you do. We must be willing to put in the work. Number two, to have an authentic life like Jesus is to practice privately. Then Jesus said, verse five, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Now, some of you may be saying, what is a phylactery? What is a tassel? Let me explain it to you, okay? There's a passage in the Old Testament that tells, where God tells his people, I want my word to be on your mind and, in, and on your hands as you extend them to others. Well, these religious people, what they did is they actually built these small black boxes. They would put little snippets of the Torah inside the box, and then they would tie it to their head, and then they would tie it to their hand. But they were missing the point because what God was saying is, I want my word to be in your mind and in your heart and into how you extend your hands to, into the lives of other people. They missed the point. They took it literally, but they didn't understand what Jesus, what God was actually saying to them in that moment. He was saying, I want my word to be in your heart and in your life. The tassels, what they were was they would wear these religious garments and they would have five tassels. And there were four spaces in between those five tassels. And those five tassels, those four spaces would represent the four letters of the name of God, Yahweh. yod Heh vov Heh, those letters in the Hebrew language. They were wearing the name of God, but the name of God wasn't in their heart. He's saying they're very religious, but they don't have me in their heart. In fact, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats at the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and they love to be called rabbi by others, which is great teacher. Here's my question to you today. Would you do what you do if no one was looking? Would you do what you do if no one ever saw it? Some of us were so consumed in this Instagram filtered and processed world. We want to present ourselves to the world. We want everybody to see what we're doing. But I've heard that champions are built in obscurity. 
In fact, I heard that Kobe Bryant, when he was with the Lakers, he actually had a key to the training facility, and he would go in at 4.30 in the morning and actually open up the building to go put in shots before the rest of the team came in. Champions are born in obscurity. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, he goes on to say that it's not about the length of time that you do something, it's actually the number of reps that you put in. How many times do you do a specific thing that actually makes you a success? I want to suggest to you that if you're only repping in front of people, you're probably not a champion. We need to choose to practice what we preach in private. Now, some of you may know this, that I am a huge fan of swimming. I love swimming. I swam in high school. I wasn't very good, but I love to watch people compete at the very highest level. And so, as you may guess, I'm a big fan of Michael Phelps. He swam in ways that none of us have ever seen, and I don't think we'll ever see after. But there's another swimmer that I'm profoundly amazed by, and her name is Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky is a swimmer. And if they put up the photo, what you'll notice is on the far left-hand side, that's her with her medals at the 2016 Olympics. But the other two photos, the photo in the middle and the photo on the far right, seem to be an empty pool. But if you look closely, Katie Ledecky is swimming. Now, this was a post from her coach on Twitter. He posted these two photos, and he says, this is the caption, she never compromises the process. It's 1.15 a.m. I've seen this before. For you see, this is her swimming in the warm down pool at the 2015 World Championships and the 2016 Olympics after she's won a gold medal. She's willing to put in the work. Another thing that really impresses me about her is that after every workout, what she does is she'll swim to the halfway mark in the 25-meter mark of a pool, and she will practice between 10 and 20 times finishing the race. She'll practice swimming into the finish line because she knows that if it comes down to her and someone else, she's pushed through the pain. She knows what it's like to finish because every time after practice, she practices finishing. She practices making it happen. She's willing to put in the work. I believe God is asking us today, sons and daughters, are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to show up for your kids if you couldn't post it on Instagram? Are you willing to mentor somebody if you couldn't share it on Facebook? Would you do what you do if no one ever noticed? Some of us were so consumed with drinking at the water fountain of other people's approval and that we leave that water fountain thirsty because the approval of man can never give us what our heart really truly desires. Lecrae said this, If you live for their approval, you'll die from their rejection. Too many of us are consumed with the approval of other people when we fail to realize that Jesus, when he died on the cross, already approved you. He already approved you. He already validated you. What greater expression than the cross to tell you that you are already approved? Don't talk big and live small. 
Let me put it another way. Don't settle for deep words and a shallow life. Actually be willing to put in the hard work. Be willing to get up and read your Bible. Be willing to pray with your kids. Be willing to be fully dialed in. Be willing to put down your phone and actually pay attention to your spouse. Your marriage will get better if you pay attention to your spouse. It's a novel idea, but it actually works. The great philosopher, the very small great philosopher Yoda said this, do or do not, there is no try. In fact, I think it was my high school swim coach that said, trying is lying. Don't try. Actually put in the work. Put in the work. Be willing to cultivate yourself in the darkness. Number three. To live authentic like Jesus is to serve humbly. Verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. I think Jesus, when he said that passage, he was pointing at himself. I think he said the greatest among you will be your servant. He goes on to say this, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Some of us, we are so consumed with being elevated. We want bigger platforms and more followers and more recognition and more fame. And we're wondering, God, why hasn't it happened yet? Don't you see what I am doing? Don't you pay attention to what I'm doing? Let me pause here and say this. God sees and knows everything that you're doing. He knows the work that you're putting in. Now, I have a couple suspicions as to why you may not be elevated yet. It may not be your time. That might be one reason. For you see, Jesus, he was born at an appointed time. He stepped into ministry at an appointed time, and he died at an appointed time. But some of us, the reason why we have not been elevated into another place is because we're doing the right thing at the right time for the wrong reason. This verse tells us that that God, God has an allergy to arrogance. I'll tell you this, this is from personal experience. I've discovered that my wife has an allergy to arrogance. And I would suspect that your spouse does as, t- does as well. God knows our heart. In fact, 1 Samuel 16 says this, that the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to which we must give an account. God sees and knows what you're doing. But some of us, we must be willing to come to him in humility. If you're struggling with pride today and you're in the shadow, God's doing you a favor. He's protecting you from yourself. I've discovered in life that's in the shadow where God eradicates pride from our hearts. Private, private correction is preferable to public reproach. God would prefer to correct you in the private place, in the secret place, instead of having to correct you in public. If you're willing to get your heart right, God will elevate you. Now I'll say this, I I pay attention to some of the ministry of other people and one of the people who really compels me is Christine Kane. 
I don't idolize her, but I watch her because I've seen the longevity and the fruitfulness of her ministry. And this is what she says. Humility will open more doors than arrogance ever will. I recently heard her at a conference and she mentioned something. She said, I was asked the question what my favorite verse was. And I say, it's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says this, now to whom... To, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. She says, I love this idea that God can do above and beyond what I can even imagine or think. But she says, if I'm real honest, the passage that is most in my heart this year is Psalm 51, 10 and 11. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Many of us, we want God to do the above and beyond thing in our life, but we're not willing to come to him and say, create a pure heart in, in, my, in my life, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We want the success, but we don't want to come to him in humility. I want to challenge you today to be authentic to be willing to come to God in humility and say, God, you know who I am. I lay, it all bare. I lay it all bare before you. And so tonight as I close, I want to invite you to stand. And as I invite you to stand, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. We're going to have a moment of worship. We're going to have a moment where you can be authentic with God. You can be true and authentic with him. He loves you. He knows you. He knows what you need. And so I just want to ask, how many of you are yearning for an authentic encounter with God? If you're here today and you are wanting an authentic encounter with God on the count of three with every eye open, if you want God to renew you, if you want him to pour into your life, if you want to have a refilling of the Holy Spirit, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around. Wow. Wow. If you're here and you want to encounter God, be willing to come authentically to Him. And when we come authentically to Him, He will come authentically to us. Worship team, lead us. And you're invited to come and pray with our prayer team that will encourage you today.